0: G'day, and welcome to Wayne's Wonderworld. This podcast will mainly be about musicians, entertainers, and actors. Uh, but from time to time, I'll also have other guests who I find interesting. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. Please head to wayneswonderworld.com, and please feel free to follow me on my Facebook page, which is Wayne's Wonderworld. Reg Poole, welcome to Wayne's Wonderworld. Thank you, Wayne. It's a pleasure to be here. Ah, cheers, Reg. Now, can we start off today by asking you where and when were you born, Reg?
1: Cool. where and when? Golly, it's so long ago, I can't remember. <laughs> uh, no, I was born in a little gold mining town called Rushworth, which is around about central Victoria, I guess. Um, my uh, forefathers had selected land there back in, in the 1870s. Uh, so we'll, uh, my dad had a farm there, sheep farm and wheat farm. Um, and that was back in... Uh, well, when I was born it was 1944, is the end of the war. So oh, great. I was a war baby. <laughs>
0: <laughs> when did you first uh, learn to play the guitar?
1: Well, my, my brother and I used to, to gather around the, the kitchen radio, the little old valve radio we had out in the farm. And we used to dial twist until we found some country music, whether it be Tex Morton or Slim or Buddy or whatever. We both just loved that sort of music, so we were quite happy just sitting out in the kitchen and listening to that. I guess that sort of sparked my interest in Australian country music, and I could always sing. Uh, when I was a kid, my mum used to say that to all the visitors that came to the farm, and she'd have them in for a cup of tea, of course, she'd get me to sing to them, it, but I'd have to be under the table where no one could see me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, Um, and she always said that uh, that was one of the things when I was a kid, and the other one was that I always wanted to be a radio announcer on on 3SR Shepparton. Well, that came to fruition a few years later, but yeah, I sort of got my love from country music then, and I learned the guitar. Well, when I was 10 or 11 years old, I was playing around with one, and I went to technical school in Shepparton, and there was a a music teacher over there, uh, Mr Young. He taught me how to Well, no, he didn't really teach me. I was too dumb um, for him to teach. Um, But I got the gist of what I had to do. And I remember one day sitting in the lounge room at home on the farm and picking up the guitar and strumming a chord and just singing along. And the song was Tom Dooley. I remember that uh, vividly. Um, And my fingers moved to another chord at exactly the place they were supposed to and all of a sudden uh the light shone and i thought my god that's what you got to do so wow. i sort of never looked back from then and uh not that i'm a great guitar player now but uh it's gotten me by over the years
0: Ah, <laughs> oh, fantastic reg so what age did you actually start you know going out there performing you could say hall sort of events
1: yeah probably 15 or 16 i guess i was I was singing at, uh, like, local birthday parties and and that sort of thing around uh, the district where we lived. But then in, in about, um, well, the early 60s, I suppose it was, uh, my next-door neighbour played guitar as well. Um, and a bloke from another farm around the corner, about three mile, he could play uh, piano accordion really yeah. well. Um, and then the next-door neighbour's uh, place, they got a young bloke into... Uh, to help the farm work and the milking cows and everything and, and he was a drummer so all of a sudden in a three mile radius we had a, a little band so we used to get together in, in our shearing shed and practice and uh, we, used, <laughs> we called ourselves the Satellites which back in those days those things were buzzing around in the atmosphere Wow! I remember our first gig um, was a door deal down at a tiny little place called Murchison about 20 miles from Chevron and we put on a, a night there, a dance night. And I think we we got about four uh, four and sixpence each, I think, out of that. <laughs> so that's a long time ago.
0: Oh, wow. I see also in the early 60s, that's when you I met your wife, Dot. Is that correct?
1: Uh, a little bit later than that. Oh. But uh, she was probably not too far away then because we've been married uh, 54 years uh, wow. coming up. Uh, yeah, a long time, but uh, it, it's, it's been a great journey for both of us. Um, but, yeah, the 60s, um, uh, and that's one of the reasons, I think, why the why the band never went on, the satellites, because uh, girlfriends came into it and of course. we all got busier on the farm and all those sort of things. And and I, I was married when I was on my 21st birthday, actually, so that was a good present. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, yeah, so I guess the girls came along at the the time when uh, yeah we had to give the band work away but I was still interested in doing it personally so
0: I just tried to forge your head and and um, do some things without the other blokes fair enough Reg and um what year did you start working at uh, Radio Free SR in Shepparton
1: oh that was about uh, in the late 80s um they approached me to do a uh, a nighttime sunday well they called it sunday country and it ran for about uh six or seven years i reckon right. it was very well listened to because 3sr luckily their their channel was uh, 1260 okay. and you had a it was a clear channel and you could get to a lot of places where other radio stations couldn't and uh yeah well look it was very it was very good for me it gave me a bit of insight into what happens in into radio and, and being a,
0: an announcer oh, and wow. I stuffed
1: up, stuffed up a lot of times. I can assure you, of <laughs> that, but, but, uh, yeah, it was, was good fun. In
0: 1970, some announcers at 3SR encouraged you to entertain again.
1: Well, they did. There, there was, um, 3SR was part of a, of a network and there was two or three other stations in country Victoria all tied up in the one package. Right. And, um, these two blokes uh, came into and yeah, it would have been the, the early 70s, and they were twins. They were Rod and Don Kilgour, and uh, both announcers, and uh, Rod was the Bricky session announcer, and uh, Don was, he did other work announcing at the station. They were great pair of young blokes, originally from the Shepparton area, and uh, we sort of made contact. Uh, 3SR had a a hospital Sunday every now and again. They also had a, a travelling country music show uh, that used to emanate from from out of the 3SR studios. Okay. So the Kilgau boys just uh, said, why, why don't you keep singing and why don't you write a song about the Golden Valley? So I well, that's, that's not a stupid idea. Um, <laughs> so I sat down and, and wrote a song about the Golden Valley and we recorded it actually with... Um, in the studios of 3SR in the early probably 71 maybe and released it through WNG Records in Melbourne and we, we sold a 1,000 copies in three weeks over the counter of 3SR.
0: Wow, that's amazing.
1: It is amazing. And on the other side of the album, uh, of sorry, of the single was um, a road safety song called If Everyone, which had a real good message to it too. So anyway... Yeah, out of that, W&G picked up their ears and said, who's this this bloke in Shepparton that can sell a 1,000 copies in a couple of weeks? We want to talk to him. (laughs) So out of that came a a contract with W&G to to do an album, uh, out of which came the Country Music Hall of Fame, out of which uh, spurned a golden guitar.
0: Wow. And with that song, Reg, the um, Australian Country Music Hall of Fame, can you tell us how how the idea behind a song came about?
1: Well, even back in those days, I reckon I was sort of toying around with writing a few songs, none of them which were ever much good. But um, the biggest trouble that I had was trying to um, find a subject that no one else had ever written about, and still the same these days. Um, and I thought, well, and I mean, I used to listen to a lot of country music and I knew there was... song in america about the country music hall of fame where it named all the different artists and uh, american artists of course and i thought well hang on nobody's ever we haven't got a country music hall of fame but nobody's ever written or sung a song about it so that sort of got me going and i went through all the names of the country music artists that i sort of had heard of uh, and or didn't know them at that stage was too early in my career that so I sorted out all the names and put who I thought should be in it and shouldn't be in it, and uh, weeded it all out and come up with three verses of different names and uh, put a nice melody to it, and that, that was it, I guess.
0: Wow. Very interesting, Red. Um, I see also in the early 70s that you formed a band called The Country Trend. Yep.
1: that That's uh, that's a band I had for probably 15 or 18 years. We We stuck together. There was... Uh, they are all local blokes, and uh, we had a little aboriginal fellow by the name of uh, John Atkinson, or Sandy, as we called him. Yep. He could play pedal steel, and he could play lead guitar. And uh, We had a couple of blokes from Nathalia, which is a neighbouring town, and uh, they were the drummer and the bass player, and then there was me on the rhythm guitar and the vocals. And we we played and sang at lots of cabarets in a radius of... Three or 400 miles of, of Shepparton. We used to go everywhere because wow. I had to leave my, leave my wife home to milk the cows at that stage, of course. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that, that was a, a great period of time. And, in fact, they, they came to the studios in W&G and, and put down those early tracks with me. Wow. Um, so, yeah, that was good.
0: Oh, that's great, Reg. And I see uh, sometime later on that the, the, the band changed their name from the country trend to Silver Eagle Country Band. Is that right? Yeah,
1: we had to modernize. <laughs> <laughs> very good Country Band. Yeah, look, I don't know where that came from. Though. I think there was the bus uh, bus in America, that, uh Greyhound bus, that was called the Silver Eagle. Oh. Um, we all loved it. The, the sound of Silver Eagle. So we thought, <laughs> well, here we go. We've got a name for the band. So, yeah, we we stayed together and just changed the name.
0: Wow. Oh, fantastic. I see in 1974, Reg, that would appear to be quite a big year for you. That's when you won the gold guitar for new talent of the year with, uh, the, with the song, as mentioned before, the Australian <laughs> Country Music Hall of Fame. Um, what was that like to receive the gold by guitar, mate? It was
1: honestly a a time that I'll never ever forget because I mean I was just I had no idea that I was going to end up with a country music career. I was just going to be milking cows all my life, <laughs> and I would have been happy with that too. Um, but when this uh, when W and G suggested to me that they ended this song in Tamworth, I thought well. I don't know much about Tamworth, but if you want to enter, do it. <laughs> and the next thing I know, Tamworth's rung me and said, uh, what are you doing on the long weekend in January? And I said, well, not very much, just hanging around the farm, milking cows doing that. <laughs> well, they said, no, you're not really. You're coming to Tamworth. Uh, you've won a golden guitar. And I said, you've got to be kidding. <laughs> so anyway, I bundled the boys and the band up, left the wife home, of course, <laughs> and away we went to Tamworth. Um, and what happened after that was just unbelievable because when my name was called, even though I knew I'd won it, nobody else did, so and nobody else heard of me, of course. But <laughs> you know, so there on stage um, to present the golden guitar to me was my absolute idol, uh, Slim Dusty. Wow! And uh, yeah, so Slim gave me the gold guitar on stage, and that was that was a wonderful moment. That really was.
0: And did you get to talk to Slim Dusty during your career afterwards with all this? Yeah, I
1: didn't really talk to him too much at, at that time because I was I was pretty shy. I mean, I've always been a big bloke and I've always been self-conscious of my, my size and my weight. But So I never really had much to say to Slim then. But yeah, I got to know him reasonably well in the latter years and did a few shows with him and uh, got to know him pretty good and
0: just loved his music all my life. Wow, that's amazing. 1975, Reg, I see that you appeared as the support act for Marty Robbins and Jimmy Little at the uh, Marutna Country Music Festival.
1: You know, that was a hell of a buzz that was. Um, I was a member of the Country Music Club that decided to, to bring Marty Robbins and his band out to headline our festival at Maroobna. Wow. And, uh, yeah, we flew them all out, cost a fortune, of course, Uh, flew them out, and it was a big festival. Jimmy was part of it, yes, and Johnny Chester, I think, was there that year too. It was just a really big festival. The only problem was is that the week before the festival, we had oodles and oodles of rain, and, uh, and floods, and it stopped a lot of the New South Wales people from coming oh. over the Murray River and coming to our festival. So we did lose a fair bit of money, but that's uh, beside the point. But I, I, I must admit that one of the biggest thrills of my life, and I love Marty Robbins' music, was to be uh, the support band for him on the Saturday night and just to stand there and and watch him and his offsiders. Marty with his little Martin guitar held up high on his shoulder and his lead guitar, Jack Pruitt, in in the background and his manager and harmony singer, Bobby Bright and John uh, Winters. um, They stood, stood there and sang El Paso. And it was absolutely stunning. Wow. I mean, I remember the hairs on the back of my head standing up just was an absolute takeoff of the of the song that we all knew and it was just wonderful to, to stand there
0: and listen to him wow yeah that's amazing yeah never forget it gee um 1976 reg i see that uh you were the first artist to record for a label called selection records could you talk about that
1: yeah well after, um, after 1974 in Tamworth and the gold guitar, I sort of had a bit of an urge to go back the next year, so I did. And I met a bloke up there by the name of Eric Watson, who I'd never heard of before, but he approached me and we had a bit of a yarn. He said, I like that album that you did and I like the way you go about things. Would you like to be um, the first artist on a new label that I'm thinking about launching? And I said, well... Of course I would have loved to be. So uh, that, that started then a 30-year relationship with Eric where we uh, we put out probably 15 or 16 albums or maybe even more. Uh, wow. And he was a, a wonderful influence on my life. He was very Australian and very proud of it and didn't like the overseas music coming in and crowding our markets and taking away our industry um, because everybody followed the Yankee music back in those days and still do unfortunately. Um, so that was a yeah great um, a great exercise meeting Eric. So we we got together and we put out an album called The Long Paddock, which was just a bunch of uh, Bush ballads and we we selected the songwriters that Slim usually used uh, for his songs on his albums. So we got some pretty good ones, and that was, I think, that album, for memory, was in the the final five of the best album of the year in probably 1976 or 77, I think. Oh, wow. I didn't win a gold guitar, but, God, I didn't expect it to. (laughs) Uh, But, yeah, uh, the the albums that we came up with after that were like a lot of trucks and rodeo albums, and uh, there was a story there at one stage in 78, we decided to do an all-Australian rodeo album, which had never been done before. So we started to collect songs from the songwriters. Little did we know, at the same time, that Reg Lindsay was planning to do an all-Australian rodeo album. (laughs) And whilst it was never a race, because uh, it just wasn't, we just went about our stuff and did what we had to do. And um, I think when I look back on it, I think we beat Reg by about three weeks to release that <laughs> album first. Wow. And then when both albums did come out, uh, they both had uh, the very same song on it, the song called Down in the Well. Ah. Uh, we'd each recorded that, and each of us had never known the other one had done it. So. <laughs> oh,
0: wow. Yeah. <laughs> 1979, you also released another album called Rigs and Roads.
1: Yes, that was our first venture into uh, to truck songs. Um, we decided... Eric and I, that we thought a theme for an album was the best way to go rather than do an album with a love song here and a bush ballad there and something else somewhere else. We thought theme songs or theme albums were the way to go. So we thought, okay, we've done well with the rodeo one. Um, We'll follow it up and do a a truck album and we called it Rigs and Roads and once again went round the same songwriters and got what we thought were the best songs. And uh, people still request songs off that album these days and still <laughs> want to buy it as a CD. So that's very pleasing. Those early days were were like really good days of, of country music with good sales of, of LPs as they were in those days. Um, so, and then after, after the Rigs and Roads album, I think we might have done maybe another rodeo album and... We used to almost put out one a year there for, for seven or eight years, I reckon it was. Oh, wow. And yeah, it was a really busy time. The only album that we did put out that was was a theme album was was a love-style album. We thought, well, we better go at everything else, we'll try this, but it didn't work. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's amazing, Red. So it sounds like you've always had an appeal to the country people, you know, who appreciate the music that they connect with, I guess.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think because I was born and bred in the country and had country blood running through my veins, like as far as farms and cows and horses and all that sort of thing, I think I gained a bit of an affinity with, with other people in Australia that loved that sort of thing too. So I think we built up a really good, um, just a lot of fans that, that liked the music, thankfully. Wow. Um, so yeah, it has it has been a it's been a fun ride, I tell you.
0: Oh, that's fantastic, Grudge. Um, I, I think also in '79 you're also inducted into, uh, the Hands of Fame. Yeah, that's
1: right. I've forgotten that the Hands of Fame.
0: That's you could just that's talk about that.
1: Ta- <laughs> yeah, that's still in Tamworth. Uh, it's a a cornerstone where all the the famous artists or whoever had, had contributed two country music they were inducted into the hands of fame and it was just a a case of uh, turning up at Tamworth in January and if you'd been nominated you just uh, and there's a crowd of people at the same time at the time we did uh, the printing of the hand but you just place your hand in the in the concrete and uh, (laughs) let it dry and there it was still 45 years later it's still there and I think my uh, my handprint was next door to um, Anne Kirkpatrick's, who's Slim's daughter, of course. Oh. Um, yeah, so, the, yeah, that's been a, uh, a good thing over the years. It's it's given artists a lot of promotion and helped Tamworth too, of course.
0: Fantastic. To tell you off 1979, you were a finalist for Best Male Vocalist of the Year. Yeah, look, there's
1: been... Uh, I can't individualise uh, all the times that I've been in the finals. I... There's been a lot of times where I've been in the gold guitar finalists for wow. uh, Best Album and and Best Male Vocal and I think even Best Song, I think, at one stage. Over the first probably 20 years of my career, up until about 1990, I guess, or a bit later. Okay. Um, yeah, I was fairly prominent in, in the finals of those awards and I won two more gold guitars after... Uh, the Country Music Hall of Fame, one in 1980 and one in 1985, two um, gold guitars, both for the for the Heritage Award, which was awarded to an artist who um, best reflected the style and the tradition of Australian country music. So um, in those days, uh, 80 and 85, I wasn't just a new talent uh, competing with a few other new talent people. I was mixing it with the big boys in those days, so oh, wow. it was really nice to knock them off and and uh, win a couple of golden guitars then, but then it dried up for me. So.
0: <laughs> Gee, um, I also see, Reg, in the early 80s that, that you actually toured a New Zealand.
1: Yeah, we've been to New Zealand quite a lot of times, actually, probably eight or ten times over the, the whole years. It's, uh, New Zealand's very much like Australia, except it's smaller. The people are, are lovely and the, the country is beautiful, um, and they love their country music over there. So, um, and I got to, to know a bloke um, in about uh, the mid 70s, I think there was an Appaloosa stud, horse stud, not far from where we lived. And um, I knew the bloke who, who owned it and ran it. And he used to have yearling sales. So, this one year that I went across. To the sale. Um, there was a fella there from New Zealand who was a country music singer and his name was John Denver Hall oh. and I'd never heard of him before but uh, he gave me a couple of his LPs in those days and I took them home and 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 really liked what he did and it's just similar to us. He was a young bloke um, singing songs about his country and there was a song on there called uh, Mackenzie's Dog which is a, a folklore thing over there about a um, a sheep farmer who whose dog went on his own of a night time and stole other farmers sheep and brought them back to, to his owner. Right. Um, so and I recorded that song. I liked it that much. And uh, yeah, New Zealand's always had a pretty strong connection with country music and and Tamworth too, because in the early days it was. Um, New Zealand artists were included in the Golden Guitars, um, so we were competing against them. In the latter years, uh, they've they've uh, pushed the Kiwis out, and uh, it's just
0: Australian people now. So, <laughs> wow.
1: Yeah, yeah. The, so they were good days.
0: Oh, great stuff! Great stuff, Reg. Also, I see in the early eighties, I think it was eighty-three, probably released a few albums. One of particular interest was called Slim Dusty, Your Australia.
1: Yeah, yeah that, that only ever came... Well, it might have come out on an album. I've got no recollection of that, but it certainly <laughs> came out as a single. Um, and for the life of me, I can't think at the moment who wrote that song. But, yeah, look, it was just a song that both appealed to, to Eric and myself because Slim Dusty is... You can't get any more Australian as far as country music goes and what Slim was.
0: No.
1: Um, he epitomised uh, Australia and its uh, traditions and all that sort of thing. So, yeah, I don't think the song ever did much good. Oh, um, okay. but <laughs> But, it uh, yeah, but we released it, yeah.
0: I also see that you released, it was either a single or an album called Wanderer.
1: Yeah, that was another single. In those days, um, yeah, we did, Release a few singles off different albums uh but they were mainly just for for airplay uh type of things that oh, uh, see. you could send them to djs and and hope that they'd play them <laughs> um yeah but uh yeah the wanderer was a song that it, it did come
0: out on an album i remember is it true that you've uh, written say the vast majority of these songs
1: look i've written some of them i guess I've never ever counted them up, but I, I think probably there might be 20 or 25 of my songs on albums over all these years. Wow. But now I mainly seem to rely on on other songwriters who were obviously a lot better at it than what I was, um, and I enjoyed putting melodies to their words. Oh, I see. Um, yeah, which, uh, which gave me a bit of a stake in the song anyway, but <laughs> yeah, I... I, I yeah, I do enjoy writing songs, but I've sort of been very blank for the last ten years. I haven't been able to to uh, settle down and write songs. I don't know what it is, but uh, it's just left me at the moment.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. I see, Reg, in nineteen eighty four, that you released an album called uh, When Big Mobs Come to Burke. Mhm. Yep.
1: Yeah, that uh, was a typical bush ballad album. Um, and probably is one of uh, the albums that people in Outback Australia, or not just Outback Australia, but people who love bush ballads, um, always thought of that as uh, as a real, really, really good bush ballad album. And it, it was. It was uh, good songs once again, Um put to music and recorded, usually at Lindsay Butler Studios in Tamworth, where it's a place to go those days. Um, yeah, and they were just songs that appealed um, to the people that, that liked my music. And one of the songs was the, one of the gold guitar winners that I mentioned a few minutes ago, which was the the, the song called When the Big Mobs Came to It was a
0: gold guitar winner for the Heritage Award. Wow, and that was in 1985, I think, wasn't it? Yes, it would have been, yeah. Wow. There's all these awards that you've won. I think it really shows the talent that you have by winning such a vast number of of awards throughout your career. So, I think that's proof of how good you are.
1: It might just reveal that I'm bloody lucky, mate.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I think it's more than luck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, fantastic! I'm not too sure of of the year here, Reg, but I see that you won the most popular male vocalist at the Southern Hemisphere Country Music Awards held in Sydney. Uh, Was that 85? Maybe. Like
1: that. Righto. Um, I think that might have been a. A Victorian award, actually. Oh. Um, God, look, I'm not sure about that one. What, what I've got, got here,
0: he Reg, just my notes. It says it was how at the Sydney My Music Bowl.
1: Oh, okay. Well, no, that was a, a little bit earlier. In fact, if we can digress for a moment, back yeah. in, in 1974 with that uh, Country Music Hall of Fame song, um, the next year, I think it was, 1975, a young bloke in Sydney by the name of Roger McKenzie Uh, rang me up and said uh, Reg, I really like that Country Music Hall of Fame song. What I'm thinking of doing is putting together a big concert with the same name as your song in the Horton Pavilion in Sydney Uh, and would you be willing to come up and sing the song and a couple of others? Well mate, I got me running boots on then I'm (laughs) I'm, I'm heading north to Sydney. So we did. He, He got the concert together and the concert featured all of the, the big names of, of country music in those days. I mean Slim was there and I'm sure Reg was there. Um, and Buddy probably. I can't remember the exact lineup, but it was a big, big lineup. But it didn't work all that well. I mean, there was not a, a giant crowd there or anything, which was a bit unfortunate. But um, yeah, that that was an honor just to have that have the song honored in that tradition.
0: Wow, fantastic. In 1986, you had an album called Women of the West that was a finalist.
1: Once again, it was a Selection Records uh, album, and uh, Women of the West was a song that, uh, that I actually featured on my very, very first album with W&G back in the early 70s. Oh, wow. Uh, a song I just found this song in, in an old um, school uh, reader. okay. I loved loved the words of it. So I thought, gee, that would be a good song to sing. So I put a melody to it and we recorded it at W&G. And then when Eric uh, decided that we needed to do uh, another album, he said we should resurrect that Women of the West song because it was just such a good song. So we did that and just gathered another heap of, of bush ballads and other songs around it and put together an album called Women of the West, which, you know, I mean, every album that you you sort of worked on um, was a lot of fun, it was a lot of fun because, you know, you were mixing with all the, the best musos in Tamworth and getting to know them and you, you, your tentacles were reaching a little bit further <laughs> across the country with different songs that you did. And yeah, that was all very exciting times.
0: I'll see you also, Reg, in that same year that a song that you also recorded called "The Drover's Boy," that I believe was a finalist for the Heritage Award.
1: The Drover's Boy was a um, a song written by Ted Egan of the the great man of of the Outback in the Northern Territory. Oh, right, um, one wonderful artist himself, and um, yeah, he wrote this song called The Drover's Boy, which was about a young boy. Um, out with a a driving crew and droving cattle and uh it ended up that the the boy was a, a girl a little aboriginal girl
0: so oh, right.
1: it was, yeah it was a nice hook in the song and and it was a really really good song and been recorded by a lot of people since then um yeah ted egan's one of our one of our great pioneers of country music
0: wow fantastic um, I believe also, Ridge, uh, was it the late '80s? That's when you finally had your chance to work at uh, Radio Fraser Sheverdon?
1: Yep, yeah, that was about the time we started. Um, just a just a country music show. Sometimes um, they changed it all around a bit on me. But sometimes it might have been for two hours on a Sunday night, and then they thought, no, nah, look, we'll put it on for three hours, and then no, nah, look. Hour and a half's long enough. You didn't know where you were, what you were doing, <laughs> but it it was a really solid program with a lot of listeners, which which was excellent. We used to get phone calls from South Australia and the Northern Territory for people who were listening in to wow. Sunday Country, and it was a chance for not that I played my songs very much because I was thought that was probably not the right thing to do, but <laughs> I certainly promoted Australian country music and. Uh, the songs that I played on on air for those six or eight years were were songs that I liked too, of course. Um, so yeah, that that was that was a fun time, and but it ended unfortunately back in oh, probably the middle 90s, I suppose, um, just because things had changed in radio stations and people had changed and it's the one thing i hate is change i don't like it when the bloody wind changes
0: (laughs) (laughs) fair enough but it was good to see reg that you were able to fulfill i I guess your dream of being on radio 3 sr
1: yeah it was yeah i mean i I don't ever remember uh saying that all i wanted to do was be a dj (laughs) on (laughs) 3sr but my mum assured me that that's was one of my dreams back in the early days so yeah, it was nice to, and i met a lot of nice people through through radio and um and the, the people that worked at sr they, they were all good even though you just drove in there uh 30 mile from the farm on a sunday evening and you were the only one in the station and uh, you didn't get to see too many of them but yeah it was it was a good
0: time wow fantastic uh I also see, Reg, uh, in 1988, that you were yet again the Heritage Award finalist for a song called "I Love This Land, Australia."
1: Righto, yeah. Well, that that was a song that um, J.R. Williams, uh, who's a who's a mate of mine from the same area where oh. I live, uh, country singer, and um, or, he and I wrote the song together. And I remember him ringing me up one. One night, he said, Mate, he said, I've just driven home from Tamworth. He said, I've got a great idea for a song. I said, I've got the title for it and everything. He said, I think you should write it. And I said, Oh, okay, good on ya. What What's it called? And he said, Well, Paul, I love this land, Australia. And I said, Oh, yeah, that's a good title for a song. So I remember that night, uh, sitting up most of the night and, and writing the song and finishing it, and then ringing him up at two o'clock in the morning to play it <laughs> to him. I <laughs> don't think he really appreciated that because he's a cowcocky too. But, um, but yeah, look, I was really proud of, of that song, John's Melody, and, and my words just seemed to, to work together. And um, it was just a, a lot of things about what we both uh, consider that we love about Australia. Wow. So,
0: yeah, that that was good. Oh, that's great. Um, I see, Reg, in 1990, that you were a judge of the australian country music awards
1: yeah one and only time i think is
0: i judged the country music awards i
1: i didn't have an album out myself in that year
0: oh okay uh, which,
1: which was the root, because i mean it's hardly a good idea having a judge who's got an album in the <laughs> in the awards anyway so when they the hierarchy found that out in in tamworth they they must have thought well he might make a good judge well I can't remember much about judging except it was one hell of a job um, <laughs> listening to all these songs over weeks and weeks and weeks and trying to figure out which is good and which isn't. and Tough job, but I enjoyed it too. It was just another
0: little challenge in life. And, um, yeah. So. Fantastic. Um, a lot of fun. In 1994, Reg, I see that uh, in South Australia that you were inducted into the Hall of Fame over there.
1: Yeah. Um, this. I'm pretty sure that's a little festival called. Well, it's not little. It's a, it's a
0: very good festival
1: called at a little place called barmara in oh. South Australia, and they invite artists over to to perform, and um, the crowd comes along, of course, and uh, they obviously select artists to um, to um, give them a little bit of recognition for what they've done over the years. So I guess it was my turn back in those days. <laughs> And I got a tree planted over there somewhere um, with uh, my name on it. Uh, somehow, look, I haven't been hardly back to Barmer to watch it or to see it, I mean, I'm sorry. Um, but, yeah, it was just a, a a nice little festival over there with lots of good artists and uh was fun to be part of
0: it. Fantastic. I see Regent Reg, in 1995, uh, you were finalist... Uh, for Songmaker of the year with the heritage award again with a song called ghost of 2km
1: okay yeah do you know a lot about me you know more about me than what i do
0: <laughs> i certainly do <laughs> <laughs>
1: um Ghost to 2km um yeah that was uh a song about um about the kempsey radio station uh, along the coast there in new south wales where swim oh. came from um they they closed down the radio station for my memory and, and built another one in another place in Kempsey. I think that was the way it went. And just one of the local Kempsey-based songwriters, um, a bloke by the name of Rick Aitchison, he uh, he just wrote a song about it, uh, how they have moved the station and how um, the old building was full of ghosts of you know, early country (laughs) music artists and announcers and all that sort of thing. So, (laughs) yeah, you don't need much of an idea of something to be able to build a a song about it sometimes if your imagination's good.
0: Yeah, oh, great stuff. Um, I I see, Reg, in 1999 that you were named uh, Victorian Entertainer of the Year.
1: Yeah, that was a bit of a bolt out of the blue. I had no idea I was... I was uh, even in for that because you don't nominate for, for that award. It just happens. Um, they used to be a country music festival in, in Melbourne on a yearly basis in those days. And uh, they used to just select who they thought would be um, uh, somebody who could be known as uh, the Victorian Entertainer of the Year. So they just pick out an artist that they thought had had a, uh, a busy and successful year in country music and, and lo and behold, it was me that year. So that that was a really nice one to win. I guess going back just in my memory, probably the, the Hawking Brothers and Johnny Chester and my mate J R Williams, he, he won one too. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of good artists in those days around.
0: Fantastic, Rich. I also see in that same year, I believe you released a song called A Letter to Buddy.
1: Yeah, that was an album actually called uh, A Letter to Buddy. Um, once again, Eric Watson, of course, was involved and, and uh, we just uh, thought that we should honour Buddy because he Buddy Williams was the very first Australian-born country music singer. Um, he was waiting out here on the shores when when Tex Morton came out from New Zealand as a country music singer. And everybody thinks that you know Tex was the first. Well, he was certainly one of the first, but Buddy was out here with his guitar before before Tex got here. Um, so we thought he deserved to be to be recognised and remembered uh, by honouring him with with an album of all his own songs. So we went through the whole Buddy Williams collection, and believe me, there was a lot of them and picked out songs that, uh, well, that we liked, I suppose, and we thought that were popular for Buddy in his time as as an artist. So that was the reason for that, yeah.
0: Okay. And before we leave the 90s, I-, I see that you also released a song called Chainsaw.
1: Yeah, Chainsaw was just one of those songs. It was written by a bloke by the name of Tom McIver, the late Tom McIver. Um, who used to be a rodeo cowboy himself and used to ride bulls and do all those stupid things that they do um, but he then decided that uh, writing songs was probably not as as good as, as was better actually than riding bulls so and he he was a great songwriter he had a lot of wonderful songs over the years and especially rodeo songs and he sent the words of this chainsaw down, Back, oh, I was probably, I guess, in the early '90s, sometime, and uh, we, at that stage of selection records, didn't really have another idea of doing another rodeo album, but we thought we probably would. When this song came along, we thought, well, we're definitely going to do another album. Uh, it was just one of those songs that uh, that grabbed you, and I mean, Chainsaw was was a legend in his own right, as far as uh, as a bull goes, because no one could ride him. Um, as soon as he bucked out of the chutes, he turned on his sides, and the cowboy ended up on the ground. So, Gee. <laughs> and Tommy wrote this song, and it was just just one of those songs that, that worked and worked well for me. And we surrounded it with uh, some other great songs. I, I wrote a couple of songs for for that album. One about Rusty, the rodeo clown, who is Rusty was a really good good mate of mine, and used to stay down here when the, the Southern Circuit of the rodeos were on, we'd always be with him. And um, there was a song called um, Circle of Sawdust, which was about the early days of um, the circus and tent shows and buck jump shows and all those things written by a bloke who who was there at the time. Um, so it was a, a wonderful song and it's probably... Six or seven other different artists over the years have recorded that song because it's just so, such a good song. Wow. So, yeah, the old Chainsaw, uh, he still gets a workout every now and again. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, fantastic, Reg. Fantastic. I see in 2000 that you released an album called The Cream of Country Music. Yeah, The
1: Cream of Country Music that we just... Uh... Put an album together of all the great songs that we considered were the great songs of Australian country music, and uh, yeah, it's look, it's it's a very popular album um, on the circuit these days. That uh, if people come along, I mean, the people who like my music these days are are people of my own age. Let's face it, because uh, they grew up the same time as what I did, and you know, had the same morals and principles and Uh, all those sort of things so they like the old songs and if if they like country music they like Tex or Buddy or Slim or whoever so we just bunched all these songs together and and called it what we considered was the cream of country music and it
0: it still sells really well. And I believe Reg that you um, have a website where people can buy all the albums and singles from? Yeah mate we do Uh, just a
1: A simple thing, just call regpool.com and you can go on there and the whole list and bunch of albums are there for you to look at and um, even listen to, I think. I'm not really into these digital things and computers (laughs) and all. They they leave me for dead. But, uh, yeah, you can buy um, CDs off the website. Um, Buy as many as you want uh, and as often
0: as you want. So. Fantastic. It's yeah. And uh, does the website also also display your upcoming events?
1: Uh, the website should uh, <laughs> contain my upcoming events, but uh, the person who's supposed to be putting them up there, like as in me, uh, <laughs> just doesn't get around to it. It's oh. Just one of those things that I just haven't got used to. To do those sort of things because I'm not used to it. I'm too old to change. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: 2006 would have been one of your most memorable years, Reg. Absolutely, it was, mate. It it was a a year I'll never forget. Uh, Um,
1: Just, yeah, to to win the two, well, you don't really win an OAM, you just, um, the Queen comes over and knocks on your door. (laughs) (laughs) I <laughs> I'm going to give you an OIM. Uh, doesn't happen quite as simply as that. But to, to win an OIM or to to receive an OIM and also to win a nomination for to be inducted into the role of renown at Tamworth, uh, to be the 33rd inductee into the role of renown, was just something that was unbelievable. It happened in the one year. In fact, it happened in the one week. Wow. Wow. Um, yeah, and just couldn't get over it. It was just a wonderful feeling, and, I, and I'm still beholden to uh, the Tamworth people because I've never, ever considered that that I was good enough or warranted uh, a position on the role of renown with all those other great pioneers, but I'm thankful that they thought different. So we also went on tour around Australia that year too um, with my old mate Keith Jamison up in Queensland Ah. Um, he t- took us around Australia for the very first time with a car and caravan and we did uh, all sorts of tours and, and shows in Aboriginal settlements and everywhere else and had an absolute ball
0: and then came home and, and won these uh, awards. So it was big year, all right? Wow. Fantastic. Um, I don't think we've mentioned it, uh, but 2006, was that also the year that you were nominated for an ARIA award? Uh, yeah, I was, too. I'd forgotten about that.
1: I don't know how that ever came about. I I don't know how it works. So, I mean, God, I knew it for a fact that I was never going to win an ARIA award. Um, so I've really got no recollection of, of what happened or how <laughs> it happened or anything
0: there. Fair enough. Um, yeah. That's fine. I believe it was 2007, the Tamworth Song, uh, Songwriters Association, you were a finalist, uh with a song called Halfway Home.
1: Okay, yes. Um, that was um, a song written by a young lady from not too far out of Tamworth who was, uh, she's a bit of a whiz with leather works and she makes uh, leather belts and leather guitar straps and um, never ever thought she wrote songs, but she brought this, this song up to me and said guess what i've written this song it took me half an hour um would you like to record it and i'm i'm a sucker for gospel songs i love i love gospel songs and yeah i thought yeah look we'll we'll give it a run on the next album but um not sure i didn't realize that that, that had uh, been in the finals of the tsa but yeah it was a it was a nice little song
0: oh fantastic um I see you read in 2009 that you won a Bush Bell of the Year by the South East Gold uh, Medallion Awards.
1: Oh, right. Oh, that must have been at um, just outside of, of uh, Canberra.
0: Oh, okay. They
1: have, yeah, they have a, a festival there every year, um, straight after Tamworth um, is Bungandore. And yes, they instigated the, um, the Stan Costa Memorial awards which is available for all bush ballad singers to to uh put their stuff in um to each section of of the awards there at Bungandore. and obviously that might have been one where mine went <laughs> mine must have went all right but costa was uh, i mean he was a great songwriter and he wrote 60 or 70 great songs for slim um, and everybody loves Stan because he was a real bushy and uh, real laconic sort of bloke. And um, Yeah, so f- f- when Bangador decided to to use the Stan Costa Memorial Awards, I thought it was a great idea, and it's still going these days. Oh, wow. Uh, where you can enter into it and try and win one. Do you have any interesting hobbies? Uh, well, it's funny you should ask that. Yes, I do have a couple of interesting hobbies uh, interesting hobbies in fact i'm um, sitting in my lounge room at the moment and i'm looking around and at all the, the stuff i've collected over the years and the the pools originally came from um, a little place called i don't know whether it's little or not but a place called dorset in england oh. and um, in the county of of dorset there was a town called pool and in that town of pool there was uh upsprung a um, a factory that uh, called pool pottery. Oh so wow! I think our ancestors were involved somehow in it, although I can't prove it. <laughs> um, so we decided to uh, to collect some pool pottery. We didn't know how much was out in Australia or uh, or anything like that, but we soon found out there was quite a fair bit of it, and there's quite a fair bit of it in in our house. And our eldest son, who's fifty four or three or whatever he is now he's got double what i've got um (laughs) and it's just yeah it's just something that caught our eye and we look for it everywhere we go although not as much as now as what we used to uh because it seems to be a little bit dearer in price than what it was back in those days and either that or the fact that we've we've got less money one or the other (laughs) um but yeah look it's just an interesting interesting sideline and um Yeah, I love collecting it and looking at it. And we've got a couple of really valuable pieces here we know for for sure. Wow. So, yeah, it's just just something that uh, takes your mind away from country music sometimes because you do get bogged down with music around you 24 hours
0: a day. Also, Ridge, with your career, what would be the most strangest or, uh, I guess, odd, say, moment?
1: Oh, golly. How long have you got? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate, look, there's, there's been a lot over the years I mean, a lot of my last 30 years or so I've, I've travelled with two of my best mates um, around this great country singing music um, One of them is a, a bloke from the Gold Coast called Terry Gordon uh, who's an absolutely wonderful entertainer comedian, singer, the whole work's and the other one is a young fellow by the name. Well, young, he's just younger than us. That's all. <laughs> His name's Owen Blundell, and we we have a show called the Gun Barrel Highwaymen, and we get around the three of us together and put on our shows wherever. I remember once. Um, this is only the first thing I thought of. We we're up in southern, in northern Queensland, um, and we we pulled into the town. Uh, We weren't working that night and we pulled into the place and we we booked into a hotel motel um, for the night because we just weren't working. So we booked in and and we we changed and walked into the the pub itself and decided that, yeah, look, we might have a meal. So we thought, well, we'll order a meal, but we'll have a drink first. So the three of us wandered up to the bar and a couple of... Place was really busy. A lot of good-looking young feelers there, and old sealers. <laughs> uh, we thought we'd, we'd have a drink, so we wandered up. And when we got into the pub, um, there's posters everywhere uh, that Manpower, the, the all-male uh-huh. strip group. <laughs> yeah, we're performing in the pub that night. And Terry says, "I'll have a go at the Said, "Love, excuse me. Uh, we'll have a drink now, but can you tell us?" Where We change. We're, we're manpower. Now, here's two 65-year-old blokes with grey hair um, and dressed pretty sloppily. <laughs> the poor girl nearly had a heart attack. Um, uh, but we didn't go to the show and we didn't put on a show. So. So it was just one of those moments that was just so funny. We laugh about it every time we get together. Uh, but, look, oh, look, there's lots and lots of,
0: of things that... Yeah, just don't spring to mind immediately. No, fair enough, Ridge. That's fantastic. And um, I'd just like to recap. Um, if, if people want to buy your CDs, what was your website again? It's just regpool.com. Fantastic. That'll, and, that'll
1: get you there. And um, yeah, you can just browse through all the all the things that are on it.
0: Fantastic, Ridge. Well, I just want to say thank you for your time today, for being on Wayne's Wonderworld, and all the best for the future
1: mate it's been a pleasure and thank you very much for the
0: opportunity hope you enjoyed the podcast please head to wayneswonderworld.com and please feel free to follow me on my facebook page which is Wonderworld.